Hey, welcome to the Black Knight Nation podcast. I'm your host, Sal Interdonado. The Black Knight Nation podcast is hosted, uh, brought to you by Higher Echelon, a trusted partner in organizational e- excellence. Uh, Higher Echelon is um, founded by Joe Ross, former Army fullback, former Army officer, former Army assistant coach. We thank Higher Echelon for spons- sponsoring this podcast. And we have one of the Army greats on tonight, uh, Don Smith, an All-American in the 1985 season, offensive line. Don, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, thanks for having me, Sal. Appreciate it. No problem. Uh, when we were getting this uh, podcast together, you, were, I asked for promotion photos, right? And I asked for uh, photo, old photos of you uh, playing or whatever you had. And one of the photos that you sent to me was a picture of the 1985 uh, Kodak All-American team. And um, when I look at that photo, I guess that's when I was a uh, – the college football fan, no doubt. I was starting to be a college football fan more than the NFL. And you see guys like Brian Bosworth, Bosworth on there. You see guys like Bo Jackson on that team. Um, wow. I mean, to me, I, I I told you before, that's an iconic photo in, in, in my mind. Yeah, that was uh, that was a taken during the uh, All-American weekend out in uh, California. Um and there's, a, there's another story. If you look closer at the picture, uh, about three guys to the left of me um, is Scott Thomas from Air Force. And hmm. the 1985 season was pretty good for all three academies. Um, uh, so I, I don't know if I have to do a little bit of research, but I don't know how many other All-American teams have had two uh, representatives from service academies on the same All-American team. It, there may have been in the past. I don't know. Uh, but there was almost a third in that picture and that was napoleon mccallum and wow. had it not been for bo jackson i think napoleon would have been a candidate for a running back all-american which had put three service academy uh, representatives on the same all-american team which i know would have been would have been a first time thing so uh, actually um scott and i were put together as roommates during that weekend and they took us around they took us to took us to uh, Universal Studios and had uh, had a whole bunch of banquets and everything. But it turns out five years later, uh, both Scott and I were in Saudi Arabia uh, during Desert Storm. Uh, turns out he's on a bombing, bombing run into Baghdad on his way back. His plane catches on fire, has to eject out of, uh, out of his airplane behind uh, Iraqi lines. Mm-hmm. And uh, lo and behold, uh, Somebody get, they had to call on Army Special Forces to go in and get it. So it was kind of one of those things that uh, enemies on the on the gridiron, but uh, worked together in conflict. And Scott actually took the uh, opening opening drive that we had in Air Force in '85 back for a touchdown and scored scored against. It. And it was a horrible day for us that year. We lost uh, we lost to uh, Notre Dame, Air Force, and Navy. Well, we lost to that year, but uh, Scott had a big part to play in that so if we'd known it, known it was him got shot down we probably left him sitting there for a couple more hours i'm stewing on a little bit rather than going and picking him up but uh i talked to him uh, just after the the air force game he actually had covid then so he wasn't able to go to the air force game but yeah there's a lot of stories behind that that picture it was uh it was a great opportunity um uh, for me personally and for the team I, I i never really thought i was that good i was just on a really good team but um yeah that's kind of my Kind of my picture with the, with the famous folks, but uh, yeah, it's been a long time ago. Yeah, and if you look at Army's football history, right before you, I believe the last All American was Ken Johnson in 1968, yeah. and then you had uh, Mike Mayweather in 1990, mm-hmm. and this year you had Andre Carter. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. 
I mean, uh, there hasn't been many All-Americans at Army um, in the past, say, like 40 years and uh, four maybe. And you're one of them. And I just want to talk to you a little bit about how you get you know, the journey to West Point. And, then, you know, back then I know recruiting might be a little bit different than it is now with social media and stuff. But what, what how did how did you get to West Point? Uh, what was what was West Point's selling point maybe that uh, got you on board? And maybe who else was looking at you be, before you chose West Point? Well, well, no doubt football had a big role to play in that. Um, you know, I come from a very small town, about 2,500 people in Ohio. Um, and we had got a little bit of notice uh, through football and track around uh, some of the Big Ten schools. Um, didn't really get recruited real aggressively because I came from a fairly small program. But uh, um, Lee Pariseau invited me up for a visit up to West Point. And after that visit, you know, that sells itself. You know, once you once you tour there, especially coming from a small farming town in Ohio to see a big a facility like that and an institution like that, it was um, it, it, I, I was done. You know, I had I had three uh, full ride scholarships on signing day uh, in 82 um, and turned them all down. Just waiting. Didn't have my appointment to West Point yet. Um, was told it was coming. You know, sometimes it's sometimes it's a little bit slow. But turned all those down, um, waiting on an appointment because I knew I, I knew I could come in and could play. Um, uh, but it was a big, big decision for me. My my father was in the military, so I was second, uh, second generation military. And uh, my son now is in the military over in Korea. So uh, you know, service was a big thing for me. The institution was a, a big thing. But certainly uh, playing football, uh, you know, something you watch every year. As a kid, the Army Navy game, and I wanted to be part of that. There was a uh, a follower, uh, a Black Knight Nation follower, that had a lot of questions for you about when you. I guess when you first got there, your freshman season. I'm trying to do the math. Is that Jim Young's first season or now? No, no, no. That was uh, JY didn't come until sophomore year. Ed Cavanaugh okay. was coach. Okay. Ed coach uh, freshman year. And, uh, you know, it was it was a typical, you know, college offense. You know, there's a lot of different things. We didn't we didn't have a whole lot of, uh, you know, uh, I didn't have a perspective. You know, that was big time football for me. Actually, it's kind of ironic. You know, here I, I live in Missouri, been living here for about 25 years. And the first game I ever played in was at Mizzou. Um, so it was it, the first time I was ever on an airplane was for the Army game at Mizzou in I think it was September or late August 1982 and I got uh, got to be on the traveling squad for that and uh, yeah so yeah, JY didn't come until after that first season um, and I started that uh, that second season as a center and that was pretty catastrophic I was a particularly good center um, had a lot of center quarterback exchange problems uh, eventually moved me to uh, got hurt just before the, uh, the Harvard game, cut my hand pretty bad, couldn't snap. And so Ron Rice came in as center, and he ended up being center for, what, the next two and a half years. Yeah. You know, played, played a lot of games for us and one of my best friends. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I moved I moved over to, uh, to, to guard. Actually started freshman year. I was a tackle. Then uh, yearling year, uh, went on to center, and then was guard for the last couple of games uh, of the season. Uh, you know, the, the great showing that we had against Navy out in California was, I think, probably the biggest 
uh, reason that we went to the wishbone. So, um, yeah, from then on, it was JY. JY, you know, three years. Um, never worked for a more demanding guy in my life, uh, but uh, with a hell of a coach. Hell of a coach. Yeah, um, one of our um, uh, followers was asking about that that the Army Navy game and maybe how JY might have drew, drew up the wishbone on the flight home. Is that story true or no? <laughs> you, you know, I'll let JY tell that story, but he, he told it a couple of times to us. Um, but there was there was a running back we had, Elton Akins, uh, really, really, really good running back. And on the plane on the way back, the way JY tells that he went up and asked Elton to come up and sit next to him and said, uh, hey, uh, uh, we're going to convert to the wishbone next year, and I want you to be my quarterback. And Elton said, "I've had enough playing it, so he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna play that that uh, that following year." And so that kind of put a put a uh, ranch into JY's plan. But uh, I think in spring ball, uh, that position was wide open, and a couple of couple of people, uh, kind of quite unexpectedly, uh, stepped forward. Nate Sassman was one of them. Uh, came actually from uh, the DBs. Right, he was one of um, one of the DB Alley guys, and uh, I think Tom, Tommy, Tommy's online. He may, he may, he may chime in here a little bit, put a comment out about Nate being part of that, part of that crew in 80, 82 and eighty three. But came in, did a fantastic job as a quarterback in the eighty four and eighty five season, and you know that first year of putting that you know, wishbone offense in was pretty hard. Um, you know, it was totally different from anything we'd done before, but coming out that first game, we kind of knew we had a, we had a, we had something, uh, we didn't know how good we were, but then going down Tennessee, uh, and playing them to a tie, you know, yeah, if we, if we went for two, we'd have beat them, but, um, we'll leave that up to history to decide that one. But, uh, yeah, so that, that was kind of the whole start of it. Um, you know, a lot of experimenting, you know, going from a three point stance to a four point stance. That all came about in that spring spring ball. Um, it's you know it's really neat is to see that we still run that offense today. A um, little bit different variation. I still think we pass too much, but uh, we'll, let, we'll, we'll let Coach Monk decide that. He seems to be pretty good on his call. You think there's too much passing? Oh geez, yeah. yeah. <laughs> three things three things happen, right? Two of them are bad when you pass. So. That's yeah, what Coach Wilkins says. Yeah. For, for me, it's a simple game. You know, you need to make three yards every play, and as long as you do that, you know, it's easy. It's easy. I, I know that some sometimes when we talk about Army uh, offense and the, the way they run the football so successfully, it's a matter of winning, obviously, in the trenches, so to speak, the line of scrimmage, and just having that that mindset. And is that something that you were able to had when you guys made the switch to the offense? Or is that something that you, you, you developed a little bit more as your career went on? You know, it, it, it kind of just goes with, it, it's how you have to practice for running the wishbone, right? You, you can't, you can't, you know, fake it. You got, you've got to do the reps and you've got to have, you know, you can't do it against bags. You can't do it. You know, uh, in pads and shorts, you kind of got to do it full speed all the time. And, you know, the, the practices were pretty hard. You know, you run about 70, 75 plays in a game. But heck, in practice, you'd run, you'd run 100 plays. 
Um, you know, it was always repetition, 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 repetition. And um, knowing that the opponents wouldn't get nearly as many reps as, as you would get, you know, you didn't have to have a whole lot of plays, but you had to have three or four that were really, really good that you could count on all the time. And, you know, when you're, when you're third and short, even fourth and short now, which is really, 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 really neat to see him go on, you know, what was it in the, uh, in the uh, Miami game, went for it on uh, fourth and one on his own 15, 20. Yeah, he, he, I mean, they say it's analytics, but I think sometimes in those situations, it's probably a gut feeling too, right? I mean, um, and yeah, he's he's gone army side. Yeah, of that was that was a defining of- moment for me. That's that's when I knew we had a real team this year. Is uh, when you're when you feel confident enough to do that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So as as the season pro- the the 1983 season go, moves on, um, I guess the 84 season. You look at that that year, right? That's a year where you actually kind of played in two bowl games, right? You played in one in Tokyo, the Mirage Bowl, technically, <laughs> right? I mean, and then you right. played. And then you played in uh, also the Cherry Bowl. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was an experience playing in the uh, Olympic Stadium over in Tokyo. You know, it was a long, long flight. Um, we practiced on a dirt field. Um, you know, we could. Uh, there's, there's probably pictures, but uh, you know, the, the funny story behind that one is after the game, uh, rather than showering at the Olympic Stadium, I don't know if anybody has anybody ever told you this story. I don't think so. Oh golly! So. Um, <laughs> So after after the game, right, they said everybody pack up. And they're like, hey, showers and everything. Ooh, that's the game, you know. And so they put us on a bus and they took us to this uh, Japanese bathhouse. So you have close to a hundred football players, big burly football players, in this little Japanese bathhouse, sitting on these little stools taking showers. And it was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. It was just it was just a mess and. A, I know a lot of people probably wouldn't talk about that, and I know I know Dickerson won't talk about it, but that's probably one of the, one of his uh, favorite stories is the Japanese bathhouse after after the Montana game. But um, yeah, I hope there's no pictures of that because none of us will ever have a political career. No, absolutely not. And then you guys um, have the Cherry Bowl, right? And yeah, uh, yeah. I mean yeah. that that gets. I mean, I guess that's. Army's first bowl win, right? The Cherry Bowl. So yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know who was assistant coach for Michigan State that year? Nick Saban. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So we beat Saban that year. So it'd be, <laughs> be tough to do this year, but yeah, he's he create a dynasty, but um I, I might be maybe I'm crazy, but I like to see like Army go up against Alabama one of these days. Just for I mean they they played Michigan right, they played Oklahoma, they, they played one of these. You know they're play um, they're going to play LSU in a couple of years. Um, they're not playing Tennessee next year. Tennessee didn't want to play that game uh, this year coming up in 2022. But I like to see like Army against like a Georgia or Alabama. Yeah, this, you know you know um, I went to went to Oklahoma. Um, watch that game way up in the way up in the nosebleed seats. They put us up in a corner, so you had this big sea of red and white with a little bit of patch of uh, uh, golden black up in the corner. But hey, we played them tough. Um, following year, we played Michigan, uh, really tough. Took them to overtime. Um, this year, this, this year we played um, uh, Wisconsin. Went to the Wisconsin game. Great hosts again. Really great hosts um played them played them tough gave up a little bit at the beginning of the game but 
you know, we, we played them, played them uh, really strong, I thought. Um, so, yeah, we can, we can play with those guys. You know, I've always, I've always said that to win consistently at Army, you have to make, you have to play every game like it's the, the only game you're ever going to play, right? Um, and it's the biggest game you're ever going to play, but you can never let that game be the biggest thing you ever do. And I think that's what you see is, you know, in those big games that uh, the cadets tend to play above themselves um, and the seasons that are really good, is they're able to consistently do it every week in, you know, week in, week out, you're able to do that. And so they had, they had a real strong team. I think we, I think we'd have given a good run for their money this year. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Steve Kripe from Crawdad's Countdown to the Kickoff joins us. Uh, Steve, thanks for pop, popping in here. Yeah, uh, I apologize. It was, it was, I, I'd like to blame it on the computer, but it was probably operator headspace and timing. So, uh, Apologies there. <laughs> uh, I guess you've been listening for a little bit. Is there anything that you'd like to uh, talk to talk to Don about? Yeah, I mean, um, wow, I mean, the yeah, whole whole bunch of things. Uh, I think one, uh, you being uh, part of the elite fraternity of Army football All Americans, uh, there was an individual who's added to that uh, August group this year. Have you had a chance to touch base with? Andre Carter and uh, you know, I, have, I, I have not, I haven't had a chance to connect with him uh, individually. Um, I it was linked in all season with Noah Knapp, who was the uh, uh, the guard, and then actually moved over to center. So we were in touch pretty much every week, a couple times a week, uh, talking about the game. You know, it was good to be connected with him, kind of get his perspective. You know, they went through a tough a tough patch there mid-season where they, they really struggled to get a win, but then got, got things back on track. But, um, you know, I, I thought that built them as a, uh, as a team. And, you know, what, what they'll find is, you know, Army, Army All-Americans are really the product of the team. Uh, and when teams do well, they have to find out, you know, they name somebody that, that, that's a good player, you know. And um, I happen to be the one that they, they picked on. In, in 85, it could have been any one of, you know, you know, 10 other players on that team. It could have been a Gutierrez. It could have been a Black. It could have been a Dickerson. It could have been a lot of other people. Um, you know, he just picked on me, you know, and I, I was blessed with that. Uh, like I said, I never thought I was I was that good, just that I was on a really good team. So and this year they had a really good team. And it's glad to see that that uh, he's getting that recognition. Um, it's a lot to live up to, and you got to continue to play. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of, I appreciate your your humility and yeah, especially team sports. It is about the team, and if you're surrounded with the right guys, great things happen. Um, but I had a comment from one of your, I believe, one of your classmates, Jonathan Green. Uh, he's convinced that if you'd played about 35 years later, uh, you'd have been playing on Sundays. What do you, what do you think about that assessment? No, I wouldn't be playing on Sunday. <laughs> no. But I, I still wouldn't pass up the chance of playing. You know, I, you know, I'd, I'd suit up. I'd suit up tomorrow and give it a shot again. I'd probably get beat on, you know, 74, 75 plays, but I'd win at least one play. But uh, yeah, you know, I, you know, when I when I was done, I was done. You know, I, uh, I, I didn't have any major injuries uh, that you know had to have surgery, no knees or hips or shoulders. Probably had uh, a few too many head injuries that uh, start causing me problems in the future. But you know, it's 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 that thing that um, you know, it really is a silly sport. You know, it's uh, a bunch of grown men in tight pants running around chasing a ball that doesn't bounce right, 
trying to check numbers on a board that after the 30 minutes after the game's over, they turn off in a race, you know, and I don't, you know, it's hard to understand why it's, it's so popular, but it, it's, it just is. And, you know, it's the best friends you'll ever make. Um, but at, at some point you got to say, you know, I got to move on. And for me, it was, um, you know, at that time in mid eighties, it was, you know, us against the Russians and here we are 35, 40 years later and it's us against the Russians again. And, um, I wanted to be on the front line and I said, West Point does a pretty good job at developing officers and that's what I wanted to do. And I uh, went to Germany, uh, was uh, with the first armored division in Germany, right out of, right out of, right out of school. Uh, never looked back. I did, came back for six months to Leonard Wood, which is actually where I met my wife, which is why I live in Missouri now. Um, and then went right back to Desert Storm right after that. So it was kind of like spent three years overseas, come back back over and uh at it again so that's that's fantastic. yeah i i plan plan pro you know if, if they have the opportunity go play the game if you want to if you want to make it but you know it's like i said you know winning at army you got to play like it's the biggest thing you ever do but it won't be the biggest thing you ever do all right there are bigger things out there to do uh that need to get done that you know a lot of a lot of the guys that i played with are out there doing big things and you know serving their country in different ways whether it's in business or government yeah but uh mark green and i actually had uh knew each other uh in high school we went to a uh a workshop at miami of ohio for pulp and paper technology back in 1981. wow and we ended up going to the academy together and we didn't know we didn't know where each other was going to go then we were all over the place but yeah mark, <laughs> mark is one that's uh serving his country right now he's a representative out of, out of tennessee right now so, yeah yeah, yeah it, one other comment he made uh was uh in your playing days was a matchup um in boston with boston college uh -huh. ended up being an Amer all-american versus an all-american mano and mano and said you decisively won that matchup but tell us about that oh that was that was mike ruth right um unbelievably strong guy he he bench pressed like 500 pounds you know it was like hitting a tree trunk um <laughs> i'd like to say that it was mano a mano but uh it was actually ronnie rice and i uh, all night long taking turns because I don't think either one of us could have could have stood with them the whole game one on one, but uh, yeah, so that was that was a night game under the lights. Um, you know, uh, great opportunity. If you look at that, so if you look at that picture, uh, Mike's also in that picture. Um, he actually yeah. he actually what, what what award did he win that year? He didn't win the outland. Uh, he won some award that year. Maybe but, the uh, I was going to say the Buckus, but no, nah, he wasn't a linebacker. Nah, that was. Uh, but this was uh, linebackers and uh, um, what's uh, who got that? That, that was uh, Bosworth. Bosworth. Bos, yeah. Bosworth got the bucket. Yeah, that picture was taken the day after uh, um, Bo got the Heisman. They flew him out to California directly from getting the Heisman. Yeah. He um, Ruth did win the Outland Trophy that year. That's right. Yeah, he did. He did win the Outland Trophy that yeah. year. That's yeah. great. That's crazy and. I also had a, a, also a uh, Army fan also ask you about the, the environment in that game against Boston College and how electric Mikey Stadium is. Um, you know, when Army hosts um, Air Force or, you know, 
the stadium's crazy, right? I mean, do you remember what the environment was for that game against Boston College? It was it was it was cold. It was unique in that it was a night game. Right? Yeah. The first night game we had was against the Air Force in '84. Then we had the Boston College game, um, and uh, yeah, you you know it's it's different. Um, but once you get once you come out of the tunnel and get into it. You know, I never really, I never really sensed, you sense the noise and you hear the noise and you get the enthusiasm, but it, I kind of had my hands full with a, with a 280 pound guy that bench pressed 500 pounds to really work too much about. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it was just staggering the strength that the guy had and, you know, he could, he could pick, pick, you know, pick me up, I was 285 pounds. And uh, yeah, but he was, he was just a phenomenal guy that we got to spend a little bit of time each other with each other out in California. And he was just a, a fantastic human being, um, uh, really generous. Um, but uh, yeah, he just, he, he, he paid the price in the weight room. You know, just, <laughs> you, know, you know, you know, there was a, there was a, you know, who won the outland the following year? Was, I can't uh, answer that question. Chad Hennings from Air Force, right? Oh, well, that's, that's right. Yeah. 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 He was, he was probably the toughest guy, toughest guy I played against. And he was a junior out in, uh, out in uh, um, Colorado Springs that 85 season, they just beat the heck out of us. We did we did not play well. It was really cold, but uh, Chad was one heck of a player. Wow, it's it's amazing, right? How many the 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 players? That, that's why I always ask, like, who was the most uh, difficult player you played against, or you know. But you, you look at Hennings, you look at Mike Ruth. I mean, those are legitimate like college football players, elite yeah. college football players, you know. And that's what you look at Army schedule, the way they schedule now. And yeah, they schedule, you know, where they are. They can win, you know, certain games, and they may have to fight to to win other games. But you just look at the the other the athletes that are on the field that when Army takes takes the field, right? I mean, it's pretty yeah. impressive. So yeah, yeah, that game, uh, you know. I played uh, against Leslie O'Neill, at, um, uh, and uh, you know that was uh, that was you know that, that's tough too. You know he, he's yeah. he's a player. Eric Dorsey from uh, uh, Notre Dame, the Notre Dame game, which is probably you know the game that I wanted to win more than anything. And you know, Coach Young and I, I think some of the, the I don't know some of the video clips on uh, the one play that we had two plays called back, but uh, there was a game that. I, I wish we would have won. Would have been that that Notre Dame game. That was that was just a miracle for us. But we could have had that one. Wow. Hey, uh, you know, looking at sort of the rhythm of the years while while you were there. Uh, you know, right now, if, if an Army team makes it to uh, a bowl game, um, they've got roughly three months between that bowl game and the start of spring ball. Uh, what what was what was that period like? What was the rhythm of uh, football related activities? Uh, during sort of the off season, um, off season you, you usually had a, usually had a couple weeks and then uh, go home for Christmas. Um, I usually worked out with my high school coaches over Christmas to get ready for spring. Um, you know, you know, the defense defensive guys uh, went on spring break down to Florida and partied real hard down in Florida and came back unprepared for spring break. <laughs> And, and I won't I won't name who they are, but I think they know who they are. <laughs> but all all the off, all the offensive guys went right to work and started uh, and started working in the weight room and working real hard for spring ball. So, yeah, if you believe that. <laughs> 
<laughs> but that that first spring was hard putting in a new offense. Um, you know, they got they got easier in terms of learning. Yeah, we knew what plays we were going to run. It was just new personnel, just new timing. You know, with a new quarterback, there's different there's a different pace. Uh, you know, uh, fullback was fullback was the same. You know, thank God we had had Doug Black, and he was as durable as he was. But uh, he was just a dream to block for. Um, uh, but you know, you have different. The, the quarterbacks had to probably change a, a lot more. You know, to to get that timing down because it's all about it's all about timing. And, uh, you know. A lot of uh, a lot of work going into spring that we knew pretty much who was going to be uh, on the team and who's going to start. So, um, you know, we had we had pretty good depth actually that second year. You know, so we had some people come off the bench that were the that were the players. That sounds good. Hey, as you talk with your fellow Army Football Club uh, brothers, um, is there a consensus on where? um army football is right now and if so what is that and if not what's what's your personal assessment on where the where the program is um yeah we talk about it all the time uh, yeah i'm sure <laughs> I, I i thought you just might <laughs> yeah so um yeah i think in, in general we're really happy um you know we're, we're winning we're winning games we're going to bowl games um gotta beat the gotta beat navy right um we didn't do well. The 85 team didn't do well. Lost to both Air Force and Navy. That's something that sticks with you for a long time. Um, but yeah, we're happy. We know that we know that it's it's competitive and it's getting more commercial and competitive. Um, there there is something about uh, staying pure to that that I think is important um, without trying to trying to to be too commercial. But you know, you you really do when it comes down to it. You can't teach or preach or um, talk Monday through Friday in classes, you know, win the next war, win the next war, and then win the next war, and then lose on Saturday. Yeah. Right? Uh, you kind of got to expect your service academies to, to win on Saturdays. And to do that, you have to have, you know, you have to have the people to do that. And you have to have the talent, and you have to have the depth, and you have to have the coaching. Um, so, I, you know, there's a, you know, we talked a little bit about this, about some of the schedules may not may not be as strong. But, you know, when we play when we play against top teams, we play well. And that's that's important. You know, can we can we do that every week like a, like an SEC team and play, you know, play that schedule? Probably not. Uh, but even a lot of SEC teams can't do that schedule every week either. So I think that that's kind of the uh, in my opinion, it's it's a, a little bit of a badge of honor to to not have the commercial side of it and have the the military service side of it afterwards uh that we need to we need to keep that in perspective but in the end like i said you can't teach win monday through friday and then lose on saturday yeah great, great point don what do you think um ask this a lot what do you think you learned um from playing football at the army that you took into your service time. I mean, talking to, um, you know, gra grads, it's a lot that you bring from the football field to, um, to serving in, in the military and possibly into battle too. Well, um, I've, I've asked, I've been asked this question a lot and I've asked myself this question a lot. What did I really learn? And I, I will say, and I tell, you know, a lot of the organizations I come into now that they are cursed. And they're cursed by having a leader and a manager that's not afraid to suffer. 
uh, and he's not afraid to watch other people suffer if it's for the better good. So, you know, whether it's, you know, two a days at Buckner or it's, um, you know, the schedule at West Point or it's a conflict in Europe or a conflict in uh, the Middle East or wherever that may be, you know, it could be business or whatever. But I've never been afraid of putting myself into a situation that's really, really bad um, or even to a point where it might be hopeless um, and then figuring out how to make it into something that's, that's, that's pretty good. Um, and I get a little bit of satisfaction. Actually, I get a lot of satisfaction with that. But, you know, you, you find that you never do it yourself. And that when you when when you're in good situations where you know your team's winning all the time, um, you don't have that that coming that, that rise. You know it's more of an obligation than it is a rise. And I've been fortunate that I had a whole bunch of guys that were I was able to experience a a rise from having difficult that two and nine season where we lost almost every week to coming back and winning eight seven eight nine games a year. A year um so and that took a lot of suffering and it took a lot of sacrifice and you know i don't think that you would talk to any one of them that would say yeah i never want to do that again so every single one of them would say yeah golly if we could do that again we'd happily go back and do it all again so um yeah suffering um being being willing to do that i think more of us should suffer a little bit more yeah, that, that, that's that's outstanding. Yeah, that, that perseverance. Uh, speaking of suffering, um, facilities back in your day compared to what you see that the Army football team has access today, uh, maybe facilities being somewhat of a liability from a recruiting standpoint uh, to where it is today, um, especially the, the bicentennial campaign that brought a lot of money and really upgraded the facilities. Uh, what do you see as the biggest uh difference between what you had access to and what the players of today have access to no oh, the field's the same right it's the comfort of the spectators <laughs> in, the end, in the end you know other than other than going from that that uh carpet burn astroturf that we had back in the 80s to the surface right now the field's the same goalposts the same you know everything else is the same so as far as a player goes you know, it's the same same field, but uh, it, it, I think we can use a bigger stadium. You know, it's uh, mm. Holds, what's Mikey Holds, 46, something like that? Nah, th oh, no, 30, not 40, 40 when it's like standing room only, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, we can use a few more. We use a few more uh, places. The renovation of the stadium is going to make it less fans, I believe. Believe it or not, that renovation that they're doing is going to come into the stands. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to yeah, come into it a little bit. We, what, we, what about what about the we, we have to fill stadiums at away games then? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, what about the weightlifting, uh, strength and conditioning facilities that the players have right now? You know, I I, I looked at that. I looked at that when I was up there well, two years ago. Was the last I was up there. That's pretty spectacular, right? Um, uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think they want for anything right now. I think it's yeah. it's. Uh, um, anything you could ever want, you know, for, for me, it's, it's preparation. I don't, I don't know that we, we don't have the equipment, um, anything that we need. Um, but uh, I, I'm not close enough. I'm going to leave that up to the coaches to decide that on what the, the current state of, uh, preparations and, uh, you know, 
physiology and that type of thing is. But for me, it was, you know, um, you know run plays and execute well. You know, I, you know jumping off sides doesn't matter how strong you are. You, know, you still get penalized five years. You're holding or fumble the ball. Like, you don't care how strong you are. You, you execute well, you know, you do okay. But um, it's good to see him have that, though. You know, the, okay. just what we uh, – I remember Gingrich Field, we had a little section of AstroTurf that they put out for us to practice, the linemen to practice on. It sits where where the uh, – I think the Holiday Center is over that – or the field house might be over that right now. But, yeah, it was like a little 30 by 30 section that we would practice on. That's remarkable. Yeah, now there's an NFL style indoor indoor uh, facility that they can use, and and Munkin doesn't like using it, believe it. And he he likes to practice in the elements. Um, Don, can you give us an update of what you're doing now and uh, kind of what you do? Um, you know, yeah, well, it, it's it's kind of strange. I had set a goal to retire at 55, and I attained that, and then was uh, doing some consulting work and the. Uh, superintendent of the local school said, uh, Don, we're, we're in trouble and we need some help. And uh, um, he said, would you, would you have any interest in public service? So um, he talked me into uh, coming on and helping the city. And so I'm a, a city manager of a little town in Missouri, um, kind of learning public service. I totally outside of my area of uh, education and expertise, but uh, you know, public works with water and sewer and streets and fire department and airports and all that other stuff is kind of new to me. But uh, I've learned that it's a definite job that needs to be done. Uh, there's uh, a, a need for leadership at the community level. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of dipping my toe in the public service uh, side. I don't know if I'm good at it or not. Um, so far, things seem to be going okay, and there's not rioting in the streets, but uh, COVID has kind of made it an interesting uh, assignment for me. But who knows, who knows where it goes? Um, I, I've always felt that I didn't give enough back. You know, I spent five and a half years um, on active duty, and I know a lot of, a lot of the players uh, have spent their careers. Um, I went into business. I uh, worked in manufacturing and automotive for about 20 years and was reasonably successful there, mostly in remote factories uh, where I had a lot of autonomy. And uh, um, you know, I, I, I always felt that there was something a little more that I could give, so I started into public service, and it's been an eye opener for me. Um, some some thankless thankless jobs there, you know, dealing with somebody's sewer water on a Monday morning isn't one of the things that you really think you're going to end up doing, but uh, certainly important, important work that needs to get done. Um, and we'll see how, see how it goes. It might, if I like it and I'm good at it, maybe there's something else I'll do. That's, that's outstanding. Hey, uh, uh, sort of uh, under the umbrella of the current state of the program, uh, it seems like whenever there's next season scheduled is finally released, um, there's a vocal element of the fan base that if there's more than one FCS team on the schedule, um, they make their displeasure known. So you came from an era where, you know, bowl qualification requirements were different. Um, I think during Jim Young's era, uh, five of his eight years, they had four FCS teams on the, uh, the schedule. 
Um, what do you think about that? Is that should FCS teams be in our schedule mix? Uh, and if so, what do, what do you see as the benefit from a player standpoint? Um, well, I like what we did last year when uh, the bowl game came up. We basically said, uh, we'll take on anybody anytime, you know, and um, you could you should expect no less from a service academy, right? Because no matter how big the school is or how little the school is, you play the game, right? And you play it hard and you play it to win. Um, you know, if you, if you load them all up, yeah, we'll probably get beat a lot. Yeah, I'll give you that because you just don't have the depth to be able to have that 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 challenge every week. But um, we, we'd show up every every week. We'd show up. And we'd expect to win and, and we'd play. You know, trying to influence and manipulate the schedule is probably the, the wrong thing to do because there's 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 teams out there that are playing up to play us. All right. You got to watch. You got to watch those teams. All right. You got to win those games because we found out this year. Right. You don't, you don't win. You have to win all the games you're supposed to win, and you have to win the ones that you're not supposed to as well. Um, but those are those are games too. And at any given any given Saturday, somebody can play play up and knock you off. And you got to be careful. But that's a, that's a learning point that you need to learn now because there's a there's a lot of conflicts in the future that we may be involved in, and we need to know that. So you got to you got to play against the big guys. You got to play against the small guys. I was told that um, you were a Rhodes Scholar candidate at West Point. Is that correct? Yeah, they, yeah. I didn't get very far with it. You know, there was a lot of interviews and a lot of extra work for it. And I remember having a conversation with our officer representative, Colonel Barry, um, midway through it. And I said, I said, Colonel Barry, I, I know, I know a lot of people want that. You know, you know. All-American ball player, captain of the team, you know, third regimental commander, all those other things that go with it. They'd like to have a Rhodes Scholar and everything. And you know, I was pretty smart, you know. I, I wasn't, I wasn't as smart as others, but I said I just, I just didn't want to do that. I just, I just wanted to go, get my commission, be an officer, go to Europe, do what I wanted to do. And I was tired of school, and I was kind of tired of football, and I was off to something else. Ended up playing rugby in Europe, which was pretty fun. Wow. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I was okay in uh, academics. Um, I, I don't think that would have been a good fit for me, though. Um, I know Tim Knight, Tim Knight, our first captain, he, was, he went on to be a Marshall Scholar. We've had several Rhodes Scholars since then and Marshall Scholars. And, um, you know, I went on and got a graduate degree and, you know, uh, you know, had I wished I'd done that, probably not. You know, I was happy with, with what I've done. Yeah, it seems like you've, to me, it seems like you're pretty content with the way things went after West Point, right? And your service, you told that story with the uh, the former Air Force player, and um, and now you you got a little bit of you got a little bit of a, right. You're trying something new, which is probably good for you. Yeah, you said it's 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 something new, right, for you and. Uh, that's how, that's how you kind of keep fresh, right? That's kind of keep, keeps you on your toes, so to speak. So. Yeah, I don't know if it keeps fresh, but man, there's some there's some things. <laughs> I have a I have a new appreciation of public servants right now, and uh, oh, I bet what they do, and uh, and it's one of those things you never you don't have a perspective. You can read about it and you can talk to people about it, but until you put yourself in a position that you're responsible for, you never really know 
what those people do for you. You know, it, it's the fires they put out, it's the police calls they put out, it's the water leaks, it's all these other things that we kind of take for granted that there's actually people out there that are that are fixing that stuff. That when you you turn your water on, it comes on, and you know, when when there's a fire, people just show up, and you know, there's a lot of things that go on to make that happen. So hats off to these guys that do that. You know, they really do a fantastic job all over the country. Yeah. One more. One so more, Don. Can work. you talk about how you stay connected with your former teammates? It seems like you're very close. We have a couple watching right now, and just um, what you've been able to do still today. Yeah. So it's uh, Rob Rob Dickerson. I think he's on the the podcast, and that he make he makes sure that you stay connected. It's all him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there was a period of time that I fell off. I fell off the the radar. You know, you're, you're raising kids, you're involved in your career, you're doing things, you're traveling around, and you kind of lose lose sight of, of your buds. And it's probably the biggest mistake I've made in my life is not staying real connected with, with everybody. But uh, fortunately, about three, four years ago, Kurt and Rob uh, grabbed me and said, hey, you need to get back in the mix. And uh, I, I've been blessed with, with uh, such great teammates. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of things together now. Uh, our fishing trip up to uh, Alaska is always uh, is always an experience. We do a pheasant uh, uh, hunting trip into uh, uh, South Dakota. Um, it's good to get together with those. Uh, usually during the games, there's texts going back and forth, you know, uh, on what calls they should have made or who should be playing or whatever. But uh, uh, yeah, a good bunch of guys. Yeah, I, I would I would echo that. It seems like, and I graduated a couple of years before you did in '84. Um, it seems like it, with the progression of time, those uh, connections and those relationships are a little more precious. And it's uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the the connection that I have within my classes as well. Yeah, so you, I, you know, Steve, we had we had our our 35th reunion down at the Air Force game, and we were thinking, you know, golly, um, the reunions that they were having when we were there. Were the guys that were in World War II? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for that reminder. I, you just made my evening here. Like, were, there, were those old guys that we used to talk about in the barracks, and when they'd come, all oh, these all these old grads going to come back? Yeah, they were those guys, you know. But we don't nearly we don't look nearly as old as they did back then, though. Oh yeah, yeah, you're looking good. You don't look nearly. <laughs> hey, a, a final question, sort of under the, again under that umbrella of the state of the program. Uh, Army football as an independent versus conference membership. Uh, and so sort of two-part question. You know, one, do, do, do you like where we are as an in independent? Uh, I guess the following question is, you know, there seems to be that gradual momentum of a movement toward four or five super conferences, you know, 16-member kind of things. Um, and, and, and is that inevitable? Are we going to have to make that call of, you know, to remain at the level we are, um, to be a conference member. Um, so yeah, it's sort of two part, you like where we are and what do you think the future holds? You know, I, I don't have the perspective of the, of the business side of it. And, uh, you know, college sports is becoming very, you know, there's a, there's a commercial side of it and you know how that works. I just don't have enough expertise and, you know, I, I'll leave it to the people that know, know the inside on that, but you know, there's always going to be somebody that wants to play Army, um, and armies there should stay open to playing and you know anybody anytime, uh, no matter who you are. Um, I think that's that's part of the allure of of 
Army football is all comers anytime. Um, we'll give you we'll give you a game uh, that you'll have to get ready for. You don't have to play. We're not a gimme. So I, yeah, Steve, I don't I don't I don't know where where it'll go. You, know, you can see where college athletics are going with you know there's a portal now and there's there's people leaving early and uh, you know there's there's a lot of money to be made there. I get that. Um, but hey, there's a lot of other important things to do too. Absolutely. Don, we really appreciate your time tonight. Uh, good good stuff, good stories, and uh, good perspective on being an Army football player and just like uh, life in general. Um, if you're uh, watching this podcast, you can find our podcast on all the major podcast platforms. This will be up shortly. And you can uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, at Black Knight Nation, and also uh, take a look at our website, blacknightnation.com. Uh, Steve, thanks for joining us tonight as a co-host. We really appreciate it. And Don, it's Don's been really great. Yeah, Navy. Yeah, B Navy. Don, great to great to meet you virtually here. Hopefully get to do that in person sometime. Thanks for the opportunity, guys. Really enjoyed myself tonight.